Coco Show. This is a pop culture variety show for your ear holes with sketches, music, interviews, and games. I'm your host, Yummy Coco, aka Colette Prosper. I am a comedy writer and filmmaker. On this show, we talk about everything from Michael K. Williams, uh, five months after he was discovered dead in his Brooklyn home, four men have been arrested and charged with narcotics conspiracy in the wire star's death will be goldberg's on suspension over holocaust comments and amid lots of you know terrible news of corruption miscommunication racism anti-semitism sexism just a lot of bullshit out there right now JLo has come out to insist that her yacht moment last year with ben affleck was not, in fact, her trying to recreate Jenny from the block. So there's that. There's that little glimmer of hope, everyone. And I think um, Gwyneth Paltrow just uh, opened her doors and and uh, some pictures are online of her home in Montecito. So there's also that, too. Uh, happy Lunar New Year, everyone. Happy Year of the Tiger. Uh that bright new beginning, perhaps, that you were expecting is finally here in this new year. We'll see. All the best to you. But this week, I'm talking about making TV and surviving while black in this world with my guest, Liz Bangora. She's super cute, super fierce, uh, super creative. You'll love hearing from her. She's great. Um the next couple of weeks, I have, uh, you know, some cutie patooties, uh, Liz, and then also April Rock next week. So stick around for that as well. But first up, some housekeeping. If you like this show, please rate and review. It's how you can help people to find the show. Instead of a sketch this week, let's kick off the show with some poetry from past guests, Pages Matam and Tiana Bratcher. Madame Tiana. Yes. Um, so I'm reading a poem called A List of People Who Did Not Kill Me. Um, I think that's probably all the context I want to give to the poem. Um, a list of people who did not kill me. We are all here today, not because what does not kill us makes us stronger, 
but because what does not kill us does not kill us. Sam Sachs. One, I am alive because a man chose not to kill me, or I am alive because his friends chose not to let him. Anyhow, somewhere I am the joke in the smoke session or the car on the way to the function at, or at the pickup game. A, you remember when you kicked that bitch in the face, knocked her ass out, dumb hoe thought she could say no? Their laughs, unlatched coffins, my unconscious body summoned by their banter, rolls out again underneath their feet. Two, I am alive because a man chose not to kill my mother or because my mother hit back. Anyhow, my father says I was made out of love. I know my anger to be birthed from his knuckles, body birthed through split lip and blue bruise, our blood always squaring up with my veins, trying to extinguish all the breath in my lungs. Three, I am alive because I put the razor blade down or because my ex finally showed up for me. Anyhow, everyone says I'm happy you're here. For months I wake up in rage, asking the earth and sun to clock out, surrender even, ask the stars to wheel me into a black hole, even ask God to adopt me. Some days, when a knife glistens too bright, I search for his signature. Four, I am alive because my mother did not pray hard enough, or because God does not believe in us anyhow. Thank you. Wow, thank you. Thank you so much. Pages. All right. Oh man. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. Love that poem. Uh, this is a poem I um it's a uh it's not a I like to refer to this poem as it's 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 both a coming out and a coming out party. And it's entire on learning the language of loving your own body. Your body speaks in wind, both violent and gentle in a sway that can shatter the soul or soothe the lightning beneath it so breathe. Even in these moments when it seems like life is missing, but you, you are no amber. Stay alert to yourself, all of the love and fire that you become. You are as essential as a poem living inside of your body, a free verse. Because when every day becomes a battle spilling from the blood-dazzled mouth of greed and laws and oils and bones and flags and shells and triggers and borders and the countless unnamed heroes who swallow it all for us and spit us out a charred rainbow, I swallowed once too. And he, he called it a poem, and she, she called it a clusterfuck, and they, funny enough, they are the ones who came out a birthing of awesome and fine and a new glow. And I told them, make a song of your name as I have made of yours. Do not go quiet or gentle. Live in all of your loud, because this world will feed on silence and call it mercy. But for some of us, poetry is how we cope with the aftermath, and for others, poetry is the weapon of choice for survival. It is a time machine, a selfish dimension. It is where our intuition goes to grow a garden or just look at the sky and say, wow, I did that. I'm the one who taught the universe all the kinky ways to achieve a big bang. I kissed the sun and said, let me cook for you. So I stirred an ocean full and the earth began to bend over, showed me what it's working with. And we worked and worked and worked until the work became a bouquet of 
jonquils. Sometimes you got to gift yourself flowers. Let the buzz of your own touch pollinate your skin with a dance that reminds you why you are still alive and say, wow, you did that. Wow, I did that. Thank you. talk with comedy writer Liz Bangora. Liz, hi, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> hi, thank you so much for being here. So um, I'm going to read your bio. Born and raised in New York, Liz Bangora is a writer, filmmaker, and editor whose projects center around the beauty and temperament of everyday Black life. She specifically likes to focus on the tumultuous experiences of her fellow Gen Zers. Uh, through her art, Liz strives to create safe and brave spaces so underrepresented groups like herself feel seen and heard in her free time, she loves to binge watch Married at First Sight. You have to tell me more about that. Obsess <laughs> over her cat. I want to know about that. Take very long naps. That's so wonderful. Yes. Yes. That's yes. right. 20 minutes is not enough. I need at least two hours. Yeah. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> and it's still a nap. It's still a nap. It's still a nap. How luxurious. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> So you are going to be moving here, though. That's that's one of the reasons why I want to talk to you is uh, we're going to talk about movies. We're going to talk about Spider-Man. Don't look up. Um, but we're also going to be talking about moving to L.A. because you just um, got a job with uh, Grace Edwards. You're going to be showrunner's assistant, which is super exciting, super cool for the show Jody. It's a spinoff of the 90s MTV series Daria. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the reasons why I really want to talk to you about it is because it's almost like when you think of like the Marvel cinematic universe, there's now that like kind of insecure television universe yeah. that, is, that is taking yeah. shape. And uh, Mike Gallo, who, um, aka Black Boy Writes, he was, um, I believe he was a story editor at Insecure, but then he's he's worked on um, other projects. And then he's also behind Black Boy Writes um, Fellowship Program, yeah. um, which has really taken off. Anyway, on January 2nd, he posted this like epic thread that like, I saw that of like all everything, the insecure writers, all their other projects and what they're going to do. And it was a long thread and it was yes. a thread and I was so excited. <laughs> I was like, yes, more content. <laughs> yeah, because in a way you're a part of that because oh. <laughs> one of one of the posts was insecure yes. alum. Grace Edwards is showrunner EP behind Jody, the Daria spinoff. Yep. Yeah, slated to premiere 2023. And then uh, he, he went on to write, love this for Jody, love this for us. So yeah, you're a part of that. That's I amazing. Guess, it's incredible. I, yeah, I'm still a little bit speechless. I 
it's insane. I start next week, so um, I'm just excited to be a part of that. I still can't believe that it's it's happening. <laughs> I know. Like, I sound like I don't know what to say because I really don't understand it, but. It, I mean, it's amazing. It's, um, were you uh, vision boarding? Like, what what were you doing in putting this out into the universe that like, because you're, you're from New York, you're from Poughkeepsie, you went yeah. to UVA. I also want to ask you about that because um, you might have been around during Unite the Right. And I, I was, that was yes. my second year. I was back home. I was back in New York, but. Um, no, that was very much in the middle of my, of getting my degree at UVA. So it's crazy. Um, so yeah, I want to, I want to ask you about that, but like, um, you know, you've been home after, after graduation, you, um, you've been working at Viacom now you're going to be moving out to LA. So like, yep, yep. <laughs> what, what were you doing in the, the, the interim? I know you were working really hard, but were you also like, um, kind of willing that like, you're going to move to LA or were you thinking of, of possibly working in TV, but in New York? Um, that was honestly, I was actually looking for New York apartments because I wasn't obviously getting any jobs in LA. So yeah. up until I got this job, which was around December, like the week of Christmas, I was yeah. actually like on street easy, like every single day looking to get an apartment in the city because that was the job I had. And yeah. so Viacom, they were before, you know, Amarion went all crazy. Yeah. They, were, <laughs> they were like, we're going back into the office. So literally up until I got this job offer, I was looking at these overpriced studio apartments, you know, yeah. like freaking <laughs> like no microwave no fridge for 2k a month like That's I was really, bananas I, yeah I had no in my foreseeable future idea that I was going to be moving to LA mm -hmm. but when I got this job and it's even remote for now but I I'm someone who's like I'm just gonna go for it and I feel like I need to be in LA if I have this job I need to like make sure I'm there able to be presented myself for you know like opportunities and stuff like that mm -hmm. so yeah I just deciding to move to LA, which hopefully I'll be there by the end of the month. Yeah. Um, around like episode 30 of, of this show, I talked to, um, Shantira Jackson, who, uh, she's worked on big mouth and human resources and a bunch of other shows. Um, and Kimmy Schmidt, I think one thing that she was saying that like nowadays, because of like, because of COVID, like COVID kind of like has pushed it, but like we're yeah. online, like right now you and I are talking on zoom. So like, yeah. um, I assume that like, you know, your first week next week, you're going to be on Zoom. And 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 for her, she was just like, Night, nobody has to move to like these expensive ass cities anymore. You could just live anywhere. I know you. But, I, I don't know. It depends on the company. Yeah. We were, we were just like, why is this company not to bash like, Viacom now that I left? But like they were really they really want to go back into office. And we were mm -hmm. kind of like, what is this, you know, rush to normalcy when we have this advantage for some people to work at home and to like have the comfort of being in your own space, taking care of your kids, looking yeah. at your pets, you know, being able to run to the store and do that and, and whatnot. So we, I was, I remember being a little like frazzled that so soon after the pandemic, they wanted to go back to what was before. And yeah. I feel like there's no really going back to that. I feel like we have this really great hybrid model that we should 100%, you know, implement into our, <laughs> into our future, into our workforce. Right, right. No, it's true. But it but it's interesting that like, um, that you want to to move to LA because you could you could stay in New York. All that, and then I want to move to LA. Right. But but at the same time, by moving to New York, I'm, I'm sorry, by moving to LA, you're going to be 
meeting people right. potentially face to face. There's more would, opportunity. Yeah, that and I think that's the initial like the most prominent reason why I want to go to LA. I could stay in New York, but I just feel like I'd be doing myself a disservice because you never know who can be like, you know, just come with me or like who you're gonna run into. And yeah, um, like after graduating, I knew I'd have to go there, but like you said, the pandemic kind of halted everything and everything mm-hmm. was like, like, wait, what? How do I, how do I even I can't even go outside? Because so, you graduated in 2020. Yeah, I graduated through YouTube technically. Wow. What what's that like? Really anticlimactic, especially going to a place like UVA, which um, was not, you know, it's not an easy place to get a degree from on, you know, an academic level and on a a social level as well. It's a PWI. It's, um, Mm -hmm. it's a high class, you know, people were in a different class than me. People had different backgrounds than me. Um, Coming from New York, I was used to a certain amount of diversity, not that much, but a little bit more than what I was afforded at UVA. Yeah. Um, and so it just felt it was it was the reason I got into insecure because my first year 2016 I was just like I miss blackness <laughs> and no. I'm always, like I'm the only black like person in so many of my classes and I remember like in my dorm I didn't really have a lot of friends yet I just like looked up like black television shows and insecure uh-huh. there and I didn't have HBO I couldn't afford HBO obviously I was you know just a little first year so yeah. I like pirated the whole first season on some on some website and I watched the whole thing and I was like this is like it it was what I needed for my career but it's also what I needed as a person as a black woman it was like she was a friend to me oh yeah yeah, yeah, no, it's, um, you know, again, the the television universe um, is going to be greatly impacted by that show um, for for many years to come. Mm-hmm. But so you you discovered it in college. But like, were you always wanting to write for TV or film? Like, were you were, what were you studying at school? No, yeah, I didn't specify TV or film until like, my last year in college, which is like for the perfect time to do that. But mm-hmm. I went into school. And when you when you declared it, sorry, was this the pandemic had already started? Well, lucky, luckily for me, I declared creative writing my second year. Okay. So like I was already writing creatively. I went into school thinking I was going to do psychology. I took one psychology class. I was like, no fucking way. This is like, this is too hard. And I realized that I only liked my creative writing workshops and I was getting pretty good feedback. And so they have UVA. One of the reasons I applied there is because they have a really great creative writing program. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I took those workshops and the grad student who was teaching the intro one, she really liked me. She really liked what I was writing. Mm -hmm. And that kind of gave me some confidence. And so I applied my second year and I got into creative writing. So I was thinking mostly I was going to write novels, like prose, essays, Toni Morrison, Bell Hook, like, you mm-hmm. know, Zora Neale Hurston. And mm-hmm. then um, I started taking playwriting classes and I was like, oh, I kind of like plays. Like, this is fun. I started writing like some short plays. And then I kind of fell into like the film scene at UVA. And then mm-hmm. it was kind of a wrap from there. And I was like, oh, wait, I, I love the visual behind this. I love the audio behind this. I love just like the grit and like how something can look so beautiful on screen and it's like three people in the back holding up a light and it's like like, yeah. like you know just like set life and magic like, right exactly magic and or hard work which is like what it really is and so yeah. like after that I took cinematography my fourth year and uh it was pretty much a wrap from there and I started focusing on scripts and, and filmmaking 
Mm-hmm. And then what were your family? Because your family's from Sierra Leone. Were they really down with this vision for, for your life? <laughs> yeah, I always joke that like <laughs> all my parents, like hard work came down to me majoring in creative writing. But luckily, I'm also the, the youngest. So my older sister, she went to American Music and Dramatic Academy for college. So they kind of already, she kind of softened the blow as, you know, first daughters do. They kind of like, you know, butter them up and they let yeah. her have a degree from there. So when I had my, when I told them I was majoring creative writing, it wasn't so bad. But, you know, obviously in like the immigrant daughter way, I had to overachieve. So I also majored in media studies and communications just to kind of like give them a peace of mind and kind of have a backup plan for myself. So. That like, okay, uh, don't worry if I can right, do right, right, publicity right. or something. I can do. Right. So when they're like, but what what kind of job? Like, what what do you, you're like, okay, wait, wait, I have media studies. I can go into like journalism or news or, or whatever. Yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Cool. And, and so you've been at, at Viacom. Talk about um, getting this uh, showrunner assistant job. So you applied at the same time you were um, getting over COVID or had just been diagnosed? Yeah, I applied. I think when I applied, I was in the middle of it. (laughs) I was like, yeah, barely using my laptop. COVID was not fun, y'all. Please like vaccinate and social distance and like, let's get out of this thing because COVID was not a great time, but. Because they talk about, they talk about mild symptoms. Like if you're, because you're vaxxed, yeah. But like, what, what were your, My what, are the, yeah. what are the symptoms? I was like super dehydrated in the beginning. Like it felt like a flu. Like you felt aches in the back of your head, headaches, and like you were sleeping. I slept way more than I sleep, which says something. I can sleep forever, but I was sleeping like full days. I was really tired. Wow. I had a stuffy nose, um, congestion, mucus. I was taking so much like Theraflu. Yeah, you know, uh, Vix vapor rub was oh. like all over me. Benadryl. Uh, yeah, yeah, all that stuff. All, all the hits. Stuff. Oh all my the- goodness. Robitussin, took some Robitussin. Wow, I've heard that's good. I've heard um that was like early in the in the uh in the pandemic. People were talking about this like really strong Robitussin cough syrup. Oh, really? as being as being helpful, but I think the Omicron is it, it like it hits different than the like other variants, like it it hits more like a bronchitis than a pneumonia. So maybe I'm, I'm wrong anyway, but, but you, but you feel like it was like a flu for you. It was a flu and then it turned into a cold and like, you know, it, it goes away after I I think I had symptoms for like exactly 10 days, which is scared for this five day thing. I think. Yes. But mm, you know, we on our own out here. So. There was an article, I think it was today or yesterday, about how um, nursing staff, like in Rhode Island, because mm. they're they're so short staffed, mm. uh, they are cutting quarantine, like the amount of quarantining, um, and like if you have mild symptoms, it's like all right, fine, you can come to work because no, 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 they no. they need people. So sad. It's yeah, absolutely. and I think it's beyond Rhode Island. I think that's the thing. oh yeah, like yeah, we can do that. And it's kind of like maybe don't like maybe let's just shut things down and let people you know heal and give us some money so we don't feel like we have to go to work. And yes, our and exert ourselves. So 
Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, cities and states are really holding on to just um, like, you know, life needs to continue. You need to get over it. I don't know. Maybe it's like we're we're all supposed to just get it. <laughs> and that, I think that's like what <laughs> they want us to do, which is just I the, don't worst, know. Like the most American thing in the entire world. Like, let's just get it. And then individually, if you're fine, then you're good. Like that's just is the most. Yeah, it's like it's like one big like chicken pox party. Horrible. Just absolutely yeah. Horrible. Yes. Um, even like Amanda Seals and I'm going to be mentioning her again when we're talking about don't look up. But like Amanda Seals today, um, you know, she she posted uh, a, like, you know, I hope I hope everyone's doing OK. People who are sick over the holidays. She's mm-hmm. like, you know, I haven't gotten it yet, but it looks like. Right. Everybody. It's out in the streets. It's just, yeah. Very sad. It's very, very, very sad. Yeah. But you're, you're like, you know, and then once, um, when, like once you're totally over, like you're, you are over COVID, but like once yeah. you, you've, um, cause like there's a, there's a time limit, like you have to wait 90 days or something before you can get a booster. Right. Mm-hmm. So once you get that booster, you're going to be like, you know, super immuno, right? Super immuno. Mask. No, I'm kidding. No mask off. But like, <laughs> I will have like, I guess I will have my super immune system. But I'm still be doing everything. Everyone else masked up. Oh yeah. Social dis- it was not fun. I got through it. I was okay. I didn't have any respiratory symptoms, but it was still. God, yeah. I don't like being sick. I don't like others being sick. No. Like, just protect one another. You know. Yeah, no, it's, it's really tough, but yeah, I'm glad you look great. I'm glad that you are feeling better. Um, and then you're, you're about to move here. So you're, you're going to be moving, um, into, in with your sister. Um, you're coming in at like the end of the month. What are your, what are your expectations for, for LA living? Oh, my expectations. I hope. And and then also, what have you been warned about? Sorry. What have you been warned about? obviously the traffic well I've been to LA a couple of times so my sister's out there she's been out there for eight years so I've experienced the traffic I don't understand how y'all just live in smog like the the air quality is always in the red (laughs) I'm scared about that um I'm scared about the earthquakes yeah like that them gas prices not a fan of that the long line at I think it's Costco at Sam's Club because they always have like the cheapest gas or whatever yes my my mother-in-law goes really early in the morning okay I'm gonna have to steal that because yeah yeah I'm used to just driving willy-nilly around here and I just got gas today and it was fine no wait nothing but um I do hate the cold and it was like 18 degrees today so I'm looking whoa yeah yeah, so I'm looking forward to the to the warm weather. But other than that, and the beaches, mm-hmm. um, but other than that, I don't know. We'll just it's gonna be an adjustment. Like I said, I was I've been in New York my whole life, so it's it's gonna be an an adjustment definitely. Yeah, I I think it's really exciting. So okay, so you you were in the throes of COVID. You <laughs> see this uh, job listing. Mm-hmm. You apply. Yeah, from Amy, though, Amy, like, you know, our mentor, Amy, Amy will be yes. oh, so much too. like, I have to mention her name. Yes. <laughs> incredible, know. incredible um, writer, director, producer, uh, mentor, yes, For, yes, teacher. former, yes, yes, teacher, <laughs> just, um, just all around um, 
incredible person. Um, she's a guest um, in the um, like in like the one of the June episodes. I forgot what number, but like, but yeah, just amazing, incredible person. So yes, you we saw the job listing. Um, yes. It was in Slack. Yes. You and answer. So, you answer the Slack there, message. I email Amy. I'm like, here's my resume that I've been. And I have redone my resume so many times. Resumes are not easy. I can't wait till I don't need one. Yeah. <laughs> resumes are not fun. So I sent my resume. Wonderful. Miss Amy was like, I'll pass it on and give my recommendation. And then I think the next day, Grace contacted me and she was like, let's set up an interview. And, and I was like, I don't know if I'll be physically able to, but I just put that out there and I was like, okay, yeah, let's do it. And so roll around to Tuesday. I'm feeling pretty symptom free. I have like a hoarse voice, but I, you know, I kind of, I let her know. I'm like, I'm, I'm excited, but I just, I can't sound like it right now. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we sound like this. Yeah. I was like, I'm, <clears throat> I'm, excuse me. I'm excited. I just can't oh. <laughs> like, it was just like, oh. it was like that weird, like your voice is pushing through. <laughs> yeah. Like, Are you okay? Like it's, do you need some water? But it's like, it's just not going to go away even if I drink some water. So it was like that weird, weird voice. Yeah. Oh no. But, <laughs> but you held it together. You impressed the pants offer and <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And so she let me know later that day and it was like, Whoa, okay, this is happening. This is real. And I'm still kind of in shock, but yeah. Which is also amazing because um, typically, I don't know, you apply for a job, you don't hear back maybe like a week, you don't know, but like you heard immediately. So it was like, it was also because like I the production's that. starting soon. Yeah, the production's starting soon. Time is time is money, gotta, gotta know, you know, what to do next. And so, yeah, so you were tapped to do it. So have you, so you haven't done anything yet um, in regards to that. Um, what, what has been your life like, um, since, you know, you got, you got this job since, you know, now you're going to be leaving, then it was like the holiday season. Like what, what's, what's your life been like? Has been, it's just, everything happened like all at once. Like it's, it's weird to get a job around the holiday season. Cause you kind of just go back to normal and you just experience the holidays with your parents. And I told mm -hmm. my parents and they were, I think they're excited. My sister's out there. LA is really far from New York. So I think a part of them is really sad. I haven't told my grandma yet because my grandma and I are really, really close. Oh, and I know she's not going to be happy. I'm, <laughs> I'm driving her to her doctor's appointment literally on Wednesday and she's going to be, she's going to be losing her chauffeur and, and, you know, and her like shopping assistant. So I, oh. I'm nervous about that conversation, but for the most part, this job gives me health benefits opposed to my last jobs. Awesome. So my parents heard that. They're like, oh, perfect. Great. Cool. When can yeah, you get on power? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and then it's just it's just another step in in the direction you want to go in. Um, yeah. Also, going back to the, um, you know, the insecure television universe, um, Serena Singleton, who is the showrunner for Rap Shit, she started off as showrunner's assistant for Insecure. Yeah. And, you yeah. Know, went up the ranks and then yeah. now she has her own show. So and I'm seeing the parallels already. <laughs> I hope so. I really hope so. And I'm completely aware of that trajectory and how, you know, fortunate it is to get these jobs because that is usually the case. And 
um, if you're with someone who's amazing as Grace, like she, she will mentor you and help you and um, teach you so much and hopefully give you, or give me, I'm speaking as if, yeah. <laughs> give me the opportunity to, low and gr- to learn and grow and um, expand um, in my own way. So I'm super excited. Grace is so kind and she's so smart. She's a freaking genius. Yeah. I'm so excited for people to see Jodi and for Jodi to have her moment and just to put more Black stories you know, on the air and to, like you said, expand this insecure universe. So yeah, yeah, no, it's super exciting. So, okay. So in the meantime, you've been hanging out with family, you've been convalescing, getting over COVID. Um, You're over it. You're, you're moving on. This is 2022. Do you have a word for the year? Ooh, a word for the year. I'm, I, I'm good. It's man. I want to go cliche. Yeah, go and for it. Just manifest. Yes. Because like, it's so real. Like, it is so real. You know, like, whatever you ask for, you shall receive. Like, it is. And it's and it, the beauty in it is that you don't know when, but, like, it's going to happen for you. So I literally, on the last day of 2021, I wrote down in my little, you know, like, prayer journal, just, like, all the things mm-hmm. I want to see in 2022. And yeah. I'm so excited. I'm excited to literally, I will see every single one of them. So I'm excited to see the way in which I am given, you know, all that, all that love. So, so do you, re- do you review it from time to time or do you just write the list down? Like I, re- I re- I've written down a 22 for 22 list. Oh, I love um, that. See, that's so <laughs> I did that. I like- yeah, I did that. I did that last year too. Um, And uh, for 21, 21 for 21. So are you looking at it often or are you just like writing this list down and then just like closing the book and like, you know, just waiting for, for second one, I'm just just putting it out there and then I'm handing it to God and then I'm letting it happen the way it's going to happen. I don't want to put too much pressure on myself or, or whatever. And at the end of the year of 2022, before we go into 2023, I'll look back and I'll just be checking them off. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) All right. While you were, um, you know, over the holiday weekend, you got to see Spider-Man. I saw Spider-Man, but I saw Spider-Man at the movies. I risked my my life. Like I, I you <laughs> know, thinking back, good. like it's Spider-Man, bro. Like the the just what we thought this movie was gonna be. I understand why people. Okay, I kind of don't understand, but I understand. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Why people risked it? Um, yeah, like I, it was so fun. It was a um, I I've I've seen like I I saw licorice pizza and that was with a lot of people, but it wasn't as bananas as as this. Um, I'm I'm it, jealous. I was nervous because you know just growing up in in our day and age, like you know we're we're gonna talk about unite the right shortly but like you know like you like you're in you're in college you have unite the right you have covid you know so many things have happened trump so many things have happened to you in the in just like the four years you were in college yeah so yeah so like for me even um in in my life i'm i'm just like uh like yeah school shootings and like like i the movie shootings like there was like that shooting in uh at at Batman. It was like a Batman um, screening in Colorado. So anyway, um, but leading up to uh, going to see Spider-Man, I was like telling my, my, my um, family, like, okay, those are the exit signs. Like, you know, That's I'm going to run there. So like, I, I, you know, you never know. That's just the country that we're living in right now, which is so sad. 
and so unfortunate and it's even more unfortunate because we have the tools and you know we have a way to change that but that is just the state that we yeah of course make sure you know your exit routes <laughs> make sure like it's, yeah. it's incredibly sad but for me that's been my norm like the dark night rises came out when I was a preteen and so yeah. like I, I grew up into this culture into this you know lack of gun reform lack of gun control culture where going to the grocery store can be really anxiety inducing for me or, or yeah movies or you know oh my goodness yeah it's like everything is so fraught but um so with the movie um the reason why I bring all this up is just that like at the movie at one point there are all these like surprises Mm-hmm. So like the first surprise, spoiler alert, is that Daredevil appears because yes. he, he's um, like a lawyer giving advice to Spider-Man. And there was like this like blood curdling scream mm-hmm. that someone just like I, I someone in, in the way back um, was yes. like, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, it's happening. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm like looking at the exit, like, oh, oh shit. Like I, I, you know, we might have to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the scene was really good. So I'm like, oh, you know, I, I guess it's I, like after, uh, after a little while, I was like, okay, I guess it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I guess it's not a shooter. I guess, you know, okay. Resume, resume movie. Wow. And then the, the second time, the second time that same person screamed was when the Green Goblin appeared. Mm. Um, but then he added, Daddy. So- <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I love theaters. I miss theaters because they just add a whole nother life to a movie. And there are movies where like you have to watch it in theaters. And I understand Spider-Man is one of them. I just wish you weren't in a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I mean, I definitely have taken advantage of the time before Omicron. Like we saw Spider-Man. Um, I went to the movies a couple of times um, while um, like my son was in school. So I saw um, West Side Story. I saw House of Gucci. Oh, I had to see House of Gucci. All um, these movies that are only in theaters. I'm so mad, bro. Yeah. It's like pandemic. I wanted to see West Side Story so bad. Well, West Side Story, it was... I mean, it's beautiful. It's Steven Spielberg. But at the same time, it's like you're watching it and you're like, they gave him money for that. Like, I mean, the original. Yeah. I mean, the original is both movies are problematic because I think that they were trying to like right the wrongs of Mm. the previous movie, but it's still wrong. Like it's Mm. it's not it's not like it's not legit. Um, it's not like in the Heights where it's like, you know, authentically from, a, you know, Puerto Rican um, voice, even though in the Heights is about Dominican people, but like, it's, it's not, um, it's not coming from the source. It's not, it's not exactly. It's not, it's not coming from the source. It's still not coming from their the own source. stories. Basically. Yes. <laughs> yes. Bottom line of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Thank you. So it's like, yeah. So you're watching it and you're just kind of like, you know, I love the old one. Like I, it was fine. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. It, it, you know, I, um, there were really incredible performances, but at the same time, again, like, it was just like, ah, like whatever. Um, so don't look up. That brings me yeah. to don't look up. Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. Speaking of communities being left out. <laughs> yes. Okay. So again, Amanda Seals, says her her one sort of comment about don't look up is that like we're the black women there are no black women Mm -hmm. 
And it was interesting because um, uh, I, you know, I, we watched the matrix over the holiday um, oh, on yeah. TV, on HBO. I haven't seen, I haven't been persuaded to see it yet from what I've seen on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, I grew up with the original, the, you know, from 1999 and I mean, that was like groundbreaking, incredible. This, this movie, it's kind of like, it's not that great, but there, there are a lot of, um, like, it's very, um, it's, it's, uh, very it's like pro pro trans like it's um which is you know a beautiful yeah. thing beautiful. um also what um i wanted to connect it to with don't look up is that you have diversity in in this like space universe um you and have like the fact that you're saying that like it's a like it's a prize or like some treasured rare thing which it should not be the case and so i like what you're getting at for don't look up i agree with amanda seals i had a really hard time enjoying I thought it was great performances like mm -hmm. obviously they're all A-list actors and but I for me two things were missing in that movie one black woman like I yes. was 30 minutes into it I was like where were the black there's women? nobody it was just there's Tyler Perry and um there two the, black men yeah the NASA not, guy yeah. yeah but not a black woman and I was like what the heck and for me I'm at a point where like if I'm not seeing diversity like I can't enjoy a movie because for me there's no excuse for it Right. And so that was one thing that I was missing. And another thing I was missing was a like a call to action was like was something to do after I see that movie. And I'm just saying there's no black women in it and there's no call to action. And black women have laid the foundation for a lot of radical thought. <laughs> the framework. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. But anyway, those were like I was just that's how I felt at the end of the movie. I, I was disappointed for, you know, lack of diversity. And I was also yeah. confused because you know, you only look so smart calling someone else stupid. Like, what are you going to do? Like, what are, what are we going to like? Yeah, we're all fucked. But like, what can we do now? Like, what what's that extra step that you can take for us to do something for us to save ourselves for us to save another person, someone who's suffering more than we are? Right. So, yeah. But that's not to, again, not to take away from the performances. Adam McKay is an amazing director. Jonah Hill. I freaking love Jonah Hill. So, yeah. Much. Um, I almost saw this movie. I almost saw a sag sewing of this movie down in the city, but the line was so freaking long. Which one? Uh, and I was at the Paris, the Paris Theater in New York. There was Wait. a sag, there was a sag showing of Don't Look Up, and oh, it was going to be there. Uh, Meryl Streep. Oh, Screen Actors Warren. Guild. Screen yeah, Actors yeah, Guild yeah. screening. Oh wow, wow, wow. Uh huh. Yeah, and my friend and I, um, we got there so late as we do CPT. Uh -huh. and <laughs> we were at the end of the line we just like we literally there were 10 people before us and they cut us off and I was like dang I would have loved oh to, no I would love to hear a Q&A about that movie about you know that thought process behind it and the, the performances were amazing it was just for me I was those two things are so instrumental to me and so you know important to me that you know hindered the experience a little bit yeah, I, yeah, you were talking about the performances like um, like I love the moment when um, Leo, his character, Dr. Mindy, he's like channeling um, Howard Beale from Network and he's exploding on um, on Tyler Perry and Kate yeah. Blanchett, who are hosts of like a morning TV show. It's like, you don't get it. Yeah, great performance. But yeah, you're right. There was no call to action. Um, and it, and even like the moment where um, Jennifer Lawrence, um, she finally goes home and her family are like, oh, they support the, the jobs that 
the <laughs> that the fucking meteor is gonna create like if yeah that sentence out loud wow. right and it made them look like 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 dumb bumpkins like dumb country bumpkins mm-hmm. which like just like what you're saying it's just like okay yeah you're calling me stupid but like what but how can you help me how can you like, help what, me like what are we gonna do to you know exactly that's what you only look so smart calling someone else stupid and and yeah. so I, I i i don't know <laughs> maybe there'll be a sequel or a prequel or something don't don't look down don't look down right <laughs> don't look down um or don't look at us down. um I, I just noticed those two things missing and maybe they go together that's all i'm saying yeah but yeah definitely there there was like a, a an arrogance to the way that the the story um was told also like it made it seem as if the u.s is the only the only hero that can only. save the world right. exactly Exactly. And, and I don't know if that comes from a lack of research in, in the writing, on the writing hand of that. Um, but that's, you know, that's how we kind of analyze most, most of history is through a very, you know, Western lens. So. Yeah, very, uh, yeah, you're right. A very specific lens. Um, you know, we're looking at, um, and, and just like you, like you were, you know, with the, with the fact that there, there are no black women, like it's, um, and I don't know who wrote it exactly. I think it might be Adam McKay who wrote it. I know he directed it, but I don't know if he, if he wrote Don't Look Up, but, but yeah, even like, um, I don't know if you're watching Cobra Kai. No, I'm not. Tell so, me. <laughs> okay. So Cobra Kai is like, um, cause you know, I grew up loving Karate Kid, but like, uh, there's a character they have this new character. It's a little black boy who just moves to this, um, you know, the part of the valley where the the show's from, the show's based, and he is getting bullied by Daniel Sun's little boy, who's like a sociopath, like Dick, like he's total Dick, and he's like um, tormenting this little boy, and to a point where um, the little boy has to learn karate and fight back. But it's like, you're watching it and and you're just like, like, I don't, I, I wish that, like, I wonder if there was like a person of color or a black person at the very least, one, one person that spoke up and said, hey, um, you know, do we want to be careful with like how we're um, setting up this story? Presenting this, yeah. we're presenting this. Yeah. Yep, yep. And like, you know, maybe he might have like a victorious moment at the end, but like leading up to it. Uh, and this is like pretty much the only there are like sprinkled in black characters um, in the show, but mm-hmm. not really. They're not so really. on the periphery. Right. Um, this is the only kid that's like front and center mm-hmm. and he is being tortured. And then at one mm-hmm. point, like he gets blamed for we're not finished yet, but like he gets blamed for something, but then it's found out that like, um, Daniel son's son is like partially, um, to blame also. So he, they're, they're both suspended, but it's like, um, I don't know. It's just kind of a mess. You just wish there was someone in the room to, to speak up. And, And it's sad because even if there is a black person in the room, some of these rooms are so hostile, you don't feel comfortable speaking up and you don't want to be that one person. You don't want, and it, it, it's an act of bravery sometimes to do yeah. that. I wish, I always say, I wish there was more than one black person in the room. I wish there was enough people in the room 
that we can feel comfortable to, you know, catch ourselves when we're dipping into something that we don't want to, you know, represent. Um, and also just so we can not have these stories, like, so we can even prevent it. Like, let's not even, you know, let's not even get this on the paper. So. Because I, I think about that, like, I mean, yeah, like, I, I appreciate their, um, like, you know, thinking about Cobra Kai, um, I, I appreciate that they want to have, like, um, I quote unquote diverse, um, you know, cast. Yeah. Um, I appreciate that, like, they tapped Tyler Perry to be in Don't Look Up. Um, I know don't I know Tyler Perry wasn't saying anything. Um, he was just probably like, you know, he just did his his acting and that was that. But like, um yeah, it's like, yeah, there has to be more than one person. And then also it's not to say that like these like white movies can't have black people, but like um I don't know, is there a responsibility? Is there um or even with the scientist excuse me for not knowing this actor's name but um i found myself wondering about his backstory as well we saw jen's parents we saw leo's family yeah you know a little bit even timothy chalamet's character like we got a little bit we got we learned a bit about spirituality but right nasa director we he came he came to their dinner i i was a little confused why he came to a family like like a white family's dinner i was like yes your family like what what do, what do you have going on? What's your backstory? And so even with that, you know, wow. black male character they have in the movie, for me, still, we could have went deeper into him. We could have actually given him more substance. So, and, and I don't know, I don't read the scripts. I don't know if race is ran into the descriptions of these people. I don't know if it's, you know, intentional. Uh, I, I know or it's, it's like race blind or yeah, you know, nah, like they I, say. I'm, I'm sure it's not malicious in any way, but you can't help but notice when, one of the few people who look like you or, you know, coincidentally or not so coincidentally, one of the least explored or, you know, dimensional characters in a, in a project. Yeah. Especially like, you know, currently don't look up is I think number two in, uh, in the U S right now. So oh, wow, more people are looking at say, don't look up than they are maybe Harlem or like, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, you know, pick, you know, there's another, you know, any other show. So like, um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of eyeballs have, um, have, you know, peeped this movie and yeah. So, so it does matter. It does matter how you're portraying someone, the same thing like Cobra Kai, you know, just list goes on and on. Um, so, so it's like, do they get a consultant? Like how, um, you know, I don't think that I think that's the problem. I don't think they are. <laughs> call call a black consultant. I don't I don't know. I don't think I don't think that's what they're doing. I, I and I, I wonder what that job would be like for a black person to have to consult on your existence every day to like these studios and execs and and all that. That would be a very interesting if that job exists, I'm sure it does, honestly. I'm sure. It, it does in some way, shape, or form. I'd yeah. have to sit down with that person. Yeah, because it's like they probably, I mean, they probably are just looking for you to just co-sign and be like, um, oh, it's all right. Yeah. You can go for it. It's, it's such an awkward situation to to be in. <laughs> so wow. Yeah. It's not anybody's reality. And I hope that we don't have to hire consultants so we can just have diverse writers' rooms too, or or diverse studios and execs at these studios and you know. And all that. list goes yeah. on and on. I was kind of talking about that with my cousin about like, um, 
like, you know, black television, um, like these, these, you know, powers that be have to invest, they have to give money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Tyler Perry's not giving money. So like, you know, we have to, <laughs> we have to look to like universal, we have to look to Netflix, we have to look to like these like white institutions uh, to, to give us so. money. Well, and, you or know, you can fund it yourself, you know, you can just go you know, fund me, go fund me. So much has happened because of GoFundMe, you know, and I mean, it's not, it, maybe it is ideal or it would be ideal that we would, it would be a lot easier to pitch and be accepted to, you know, studios, but um, it's, it, it is, I guess it, it is what it is. I just, I say that because I know some people do prefer to do it themselves and they do prefer to, you know, get the money through their own channels and they, they do like a low cost, not a high budget film. They do like the intimate feel from mm-hmm. pre-production all the way to post. So I I don't think, I don't have an experience with a high budget film to let you know if that- I wouldn't even know what to do with the money. Like if they gave me a million dollars, I'd be like, uh, here's- <laughs> Right. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I don't- Are you sure? <laughs> I don't know. Like a, a month goes by. Are you going to do anything? I don't know. I know. I would, I mean, I would use it. I probably, I'd probably use like 950,000 and, and no, no, I, no, I'd probably give them 950,000. Maybe I would keep the 50 to, to, to make a project. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I, I wouldn't even know what to do with all that money. Would not, I would not even know what to do, but I mean, I guess the studios do come with, you know, there, there are workers <laughs> who do know what to do. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's amazing too. Like, um, cause you're going to be a cog in the wheel. Like you're going to be part of this like machine. Mm-hmm. I, I, I also don't know what that's like, where it's like, you, you're, you're going to have like a specific, I just, you know, I know from like corporate America, but like, you know, you're going to have like this specific job that like, um, will help to make this project. But like, um, have you, have you shot something before? Like um, are you a director too? Or yeah, I am. Like small uh-huh. scale. Like my, I shot like short films and cinematography class. We were always shooting. We, my professor made us use Bolex. So we were handling physical film because he liked to think it's film. Bolex? Uh, yeah, Bolexes. So like, you know, like a Bolex, like you press the button, the physical film is in there and then you have to use the light meter to. It's like a know, handheld camera. Yeah, you know, like a like a super eight, like a oh very wow, film. yeah. So he had us learn. He had us learn the physical film, and we have to pay for the film and we get it mailed in. We have to pay to get the film processed, everything, and then we use a projector to watch our films. And when you want to edit, we obviously you can digitize it, but he would have us splicing it, the film at first to edit it. And so he really wanted film and filmmaking to be something physical and with your hands. And he was a sculptor, and he wanted us to see it as art. And I think sometimes with digital. It, that that process and that that notion gets lost but um so I, I I started film on a Bolex and so we and so we were really paying attention to lighting and like what's going to be seen on wow on and what's not going to be seen on the screen and and um and and you know and all of that so and then I also did a short film uh directing and yeah I love I love sets I love I <laughs> I need I will say I think I need a little more practice being a director because it's like speaking back to those people who it is your job to handle a budget it's a lot of pressure it's not yes. like it is super hard but also really exhilarating um 
but because everyone's yeah. looking to you everyone's looking to you everyone's looking to you to make decisions and like you know for the most part like you, you you know them but sometimes you know things happen and you have to make snap decisions and i i always say being a director is basically being confident in your decisions and being confident in your vision and it's not that there are not any great female directors or people of color directors anything like that it's just that we live in a society where they constantly have a second guessing ourselves. right so, so like we're not it's, I, I I feel like for a man a cis white male like you're kind of grown into the world kind of your decisions are kind of already you're already told that you're right all the time and so for me as a black female director like I'm still learning to gain that confidence in myself as a person, as a black woman, before I can even gain that confidence as a director where I have a budget that I have, that I, you know, that I'm in, you know, that is looking to me, a cast that's looking to me, a crew that's looking to me. And yes. so, like, I, I think it all stems from there. And it's, I think a reason why it's a lot easier, quote unquote, for a white man to be successful directors, because they kind of have that one up already. They kind of have that self-confidence where it starts with, and that's not to, you know, generalize everyone everyone's everyone is different I just know for me and kind of the people I see around me um you you kind of grow into your confidence a little bit more as a black woman or as you know someone who's outside of of that white male lens so yeah I mean it can um there yeah I everyone I think it, that many people suffer from imposter syndrome that's like mm-hmm. nothing that's that's nothing new but yeah there is that sort of added layer when you're a woman and then also when when you're a black woman there's there's that other layer too there's so many there's so many variables and i i always think about um often i haven't seen king richard yet but like you know, I always think back to when Venus was interviewed when she was a kid mm-hmm. and there was like that CBS was like 60 minutes or something. And he was trying to like get into her head. She was a little girl mm-hmm. and the interviewer was trying to like intimidate her. Like, you know, what, what do you think success is? And do you feel like you're successful? Like he was really trying to like break her apart. Mm-hmm. And the father famously like busted in like Kool-Aid man and was just like you don't talk to her like that she's a little girl and and stuck up for her um I I don't know if my dad would have done that he probably (laughs) would like oh I I don't know why he talked to you like that as we're like driving home exactly and that's also the immigrant experience too like you know you're you come here from another country that's it that's an entire you don't ask questions right you're trying just like not to be you know scrutinized just for the way that you talk because of your accent and it's so easy for someone to just like push what you say to the side because oh I can't understand you or something like that like oh it's it there's there's so 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 many layers to that and what I love about stories about black parents protecting their children but also mm-hmm. like pushing their children and I haven't seen that movie and I know he's a interesting uh figure type because yeah. you know, but I do appreciate someone who instills confidence into their children especially young black kids who I think the, they live in a world even at that young age where people are trying to strip that away from them they're trying to beat them down you know kind of set, put them in their place early in life and I just I appreciate someone who just even at the cost of, of, of themselves, of their own dreams, pushes their children, instills confidence in their children and trust that like they, as they grow up, can can make a change and they can break curses and, and do something better. So, yes, yes, I, I, I would have liked that. 
<laughs> but I I don't know I where like I, thought. I would have. But I, <laughs> I too. <laughs> to my my parents in heaven. Um. Yeah. I mean, I would have. I would have liked that. But yeah. Um. I, but I, like I said, I, they had their own shit going on as immigrants. Yes. They yeah. had their own confidence that they were working on, and you know, still working on to this to this day. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's not easy. Um, and I, I, I definitely am, uh, grateful to my parents, but yeah, I, at this, at the same time, I don't know where I, I feel like, um, my confidence was definitely like a slow burn. Like it, it's definitely taken me a long time to get comfortable with with myself and with you know making stuff and and confidently showing people stuff so what about for you like because like you know you've just you you've just finished college very recently um you're working like how how did were your parents like that like were your parents more like mine where it was just like um yeah yeah my parents don't even know what I do like (laughs) I worked at home and everything I'm a summer I was a junior writer producer I wrote and produced promotions for MTV shows they didn't know they don't know to this day what that means they just want to know if I get paid (laughs) I was just like oh I make commercials like it's fine and like even when, when I was younger um so I wanted to be like an actress Mm-hmm. But so I would like beg my parents to send me to theater camps because I, I kind of knew I was too shy. I was like, I need to, I need to go to theater camps. I need to be doing this. And like, they just, they never did. And for obviously probably reasons that I was too young to, you know, to know probably like monetarily. And, and yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's expensive. Um, yeah. So, so, but like, and, and, but my parents always let us like quit things. Like they, if we didn't want to do it, they always let us quit things. And I think there's a good and bad side to that because it kind of gave us the okay to like, if we don't like something, like we don't have to stick with it, which is true, but also there's a, to a degree where, you know, like just try again, give it a couple chances. Like not Mm -hmm. everything on the first time, you know, is going to go the way that you want it to go. But I remember like, I really wanted to be an actress though. And I, I found this like, acting coach's email <laughs> and I wrote him like a letter and a poem and I sent him a, a headshot of myself oh and wow I like, yeah I really wanted to do it and I was like I want to be an act like literally like eight years old I was like I have nothing but compassion and I want to be an actor oh my god that's so, so cute me back and he was like hey sweetie connect me to your dad <laughs> he was like I'd love to work with you but let me talk to your dad and I was like okay and I sent him like my dad um my dad's email or anything and like nothing ever happened of it I think probably because the guy was saying I'd have to move to LA and I wasn't gonna like go to to LA yeah but um but and so like it's like things like that I wish that like my parents were afforded the opportunity to give me the opportunities because I 100% understand why we couldn't just pick up and move to LA like some other child stars have done because you know my dad's a black man in America like who's gonna guarantee a job in LA when he already has a steady job here in New York so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like you're around family like you're you're talking about your grandma yeah yeah yeah. my grandma I think was living with us at the time Uh because she immigrated over from Sierra Leone as well and um you know what what we do with the house like you know just all these things I was obviously too young to understand but I do um understand now so just seeing stories where um parents have made those sacrifices and were able to get their children there um i i love it i love seeing that so okay um where do you think your confidence comes from then 
Ooh, like your confidence, your confidence to create. My confidence to, oh man, I think that probably comes from, I don't want to say I'm validated by like other people's like reviews or opinions, but it does feel good when other people understand what you're doing. Yeah. And that feels great. And then also like on a spiritual level, like I, I'm created by the greatest artist to ever exist, which is God. And so I know that like, I just have like this divine, I don't know, just like knowing in me that like what I have to say matters or like if it doesn't matter, it matters to me or, and it matters to them because they wouldn't have, you know, given me the means to, to say it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's like, it's like those two things. It's definitely like God. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then it's also when other people were like, hey, that doesn't suck. So that, that <laughs> <laughs> which is is isn't is in a sense divine like you know people connecting with your art with your work um you know tapping into that part of you that you put out there in your work so there there's something cosmic in that yeah in itself and imagination is so beautiful and fun and like you just think of there's just some things that you think of you'll be taking a shower and you're just like oh I have to write that or you're like on the elliptical and you're just like oh I just want to see what that looks like and like for me like I've been doing that since I was a child and it has not left me and I and so for me I kind of got the idea that oh this is like I would be so miserable in a nine to five behind a desk doing some other boring shit like this is this is what I'm supposed to do Yes. Well, it's beautiful. And we can't wait to see what you will create down the line. Um, So exciting. Uh, One thing for for New Year's is um, for uh, like in Haiti, Haiti's uh, the anniversary of um, the Haiti's independence is uh, Jan 1. Um, So in celebration, there is um, like this soup called soup jumu. And it's like, um, it's like a pumpkin soup with like, beef in it uh, sierra leone has something not i don't know if it's, it's peanut butter soup. oh okay what, soup. is that your is that your january 1st meal i feel uh, like there's like there's like a special january 1st meal and i don't know if if, you, sierra leone? Oh, if you're down we, at that i don't yeah. think we do that maybe my, my i don't know my parents be making whatever they want to make we just made some uh cassava leaf which is delicious my favorite soup um, uh-huh and that's what I had on January 1st oh wow <laughs> I don't know if it was the official first meal but that's what my mama made and that's what I ate and I enjoyed it so yeah no I was trying to look for it yeah well yeah cassava leaves um like yeah it's a um the stews are a fundamental part of Sierra Leone's cuisine with cassava leaves having been the country's national dish the stew is served with jollof rice i'm reading is that the national dish cassava leaf yeah what look at me learning something about myself about my culture i I think i think i think that you i think it is jollof rice yes i mean it's with jollof rice it says um or like plantains or act Akara, which um, I don't know if it's Akra, like in Haiti, or um, yam and then cassava. So I think I feel like the the Sierra Leone dish is like the jollof rice um, for for January first. I'm not sure, but I get it might be this we make, cassava we make soup. Jollof rice. I'm just saying. I'm you know a lot of people don't know about us. We're a small country, but yes, Ghanaians, but Nigerians, please know we make the best jollof rice. Okay, <laughs> we've been winning that DC competition every year. Okay, and that's I'm just letting y'all know. You know, and and Sierra Leone has has really great music. Um, 
my best like like drumming singing um yeah beautiful country i i don't i i think my ancestors are from benin possibly sierra leone i i don't know yet but like west africa west africa we're saying yeah fam west africa somewhere um and a shout out to the ancestors um because i uh January 2nd is also uh, in Haiti. It's the Ancestors Day. Mm. Um, so that this is amazing. Can we play a game before I let you go? Oh, yes. also, also, um, uh, last last question about writing. Um, what's the best advice you've ever received? And um, what's been the worst? Best advice is don't be precious about it and just go for it and just write. Like I get so in my head and I feel Me like- too. I'll stop something in the middle of it because I'm like, this is stupid. This is dumb. But like, just don't be precious about that shit. Like, if, if it's bad, if it's, you'll fix it. Like, just get that first draft out there. Um, so that's one of the best. I think Ava DuVernay said that um, about all art and filmmaking. And then um, worst advice? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man. Um, worst advice? I don't know. I used to be, I used to, I because I majored in creative writing. I had used to be into workshops and again UVA is a PWI and there was yeah. a lot of like white kids who would read I don't my- get it but may- yeah yeah who'd read my very black stories and try and give their opinions <laughs> and I think I was re- I was like notorious for just being like okay <laughs> oh god <laughs> like I would just be like oh okay yeah yeah because <laughs> like you just clearly don't understand what I'm trying to say so I can't think of anything specific but there has been a lot of bad notes that I've gotten from people yeah yeah well I guess it has to do with the connecting if they're if they're not connecting then it doesn't like it, it doesn't do any you gotta, good you gotta look at the note behind the note that's yeah. another piece of advice that you know I've, I've gotten from multiple people is there's a note behind every note so. yes yeah. um okay let's play a game Are these wholesome things actually toxic? It's a BuzzFeed quiz. We're just going to do a BuzzFeed quiz right now. I love, oh, good. And, and that's, oh, and that's no, going to have to be okay. Yes. So using your child for likes on social media, which I probably do, is that toxic, non-toxic, or no opinion? <laughs> and I, I don't take any any judgment. I, I try not to feature him. Yeah. Okay, just wanting likes, posting a picture just for likes is toxic. Okay, whether yes. you're your, ch- your child or not, you should not. It shouldn't be about the likes. We have that feature now. We can turn off the like count or whatever. That's so right. I, I'm gonna say that's toxic. You should just post to post the memory. Eighty three percent say yes. That is toxic. Okay, I agree with you. Eighty three percent. Toxic positivity. When someone's having a really hard time and you tell them to stay positive or try to look on the bright side, is that toxic or non toxic or? I think opinion. Toxic. I think. I do think that's toxic to a degree. I think you got to let people feel their emotions. Emotions are great. They tell you. They like, you know, they tell you how to interpret what's happening around you. They alert you of how you're feeling, of how to take action. And if you're feeling yeah. sad, 
And if you're only worrying about being happy, like you're not gonna know if that something you need to change something so you don't feel that sadness ever again. I, I emotions, all emotions, I think are beautiful. So I think that's toxic to only want happiness. So yeah, yeah, because you're 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 lying, which is also <laughs> on a similar also, term. Yeah, you're lying. <laughs> yeah, that that was also something in uh in um the matrix it's uh in the this new one is is just about like being your true self and Mm -hmm. and um not lying to yourself about who you actually are and embracing who you are how can you change anything if you don't you know be honest with yourself that's right child beauty pageants toxic not toxic or no opinion i i don't want to judge these people i guess no opinion because i don't know I don't know what goes into from what I've heard I heard is very toxic but yeah I mean just thinking about JonBenet Ramsey or like Honey Boo Boo yeah it yeah. seems like yeah this- very to- so based on that yes toxic but on for me I like to know I like to talk about things that I know about so I I have to say no opinion okay well four four percent agree with you um 94 <laughs> percent of course say toxic <laughs> so um, I, I also um, I mean, I think I think there's some merit to it. I mean, especially like if if a kid competes and they're able to make money that pays for college, like why not? But then, you know, yeah, but I, I, I am assuming. OK, I'm assuming it's pretty toxic. That's not why. Yeah, but. But especially like all, all the makeup and the, the yeah. dance routines and whatever. Um, I'm, I'm sure they're missing out on like friendships and. Yeah, so yeah, that could be trans, trans, you know, transcribed to any sports, you know, sometimes growing up in a sports family can also be very toxic. Yeah. You know, pushing forward right. on you. So. Right. Okay. Proposing in front of a crowd. It puts a lot of pressure <laughs> on the person being proposed to. Is that toxic? Not toxic? No opinion. So a crowd of strangers? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, I don't know. Sweet. Oh, I guess it's toxic to propose to someone in a way that they're not comfortable. I'll say that. Like, you should know your partner enough to know the type of proposal that they want, whether they want a crowd there or not, you know. So, yeah, that's my answer. (laughs) Yeah, 61% agree. They say it's toxic. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, especially it goes back to that likes thing. Like when you use your child for, for likes, like if you're using, um, a proposal for likes, some people, some people just like, they don't think, and they're just very much enwrapped in themselves. And they're just like, I want to do this for you. And it's going to be beautiful. That's why I'm like, it's toxic. If you're not thinking about your partner and what your partner wants, because it's their moment too. Yeah. Yeah. Next question. Hustle, hustle culture. Oh, people toxic. people steady on the grind toxic let's yes. sleep everyone just go to bed <laughs> take a nap take a two take hour a nap. nap take a two two hours man i should have put that in my my 22 for 22 two hour nap that's oh, beautiful culture abolish the 40 week okay i'm getting crazy now but not crazy i'm getting <laughs> a little, little you know off track but well, 66, 66% of uh, voters agree. Yeah, hustle culture is toxic. So asking your child who your boyfriend, girlfriend, wait, asking your child who's your boyfriend, girlfriend, anytime they interact with someone of oh, the toxic. opposite sex. Toxic, toxic, yes. toxic, toxic. Kids. 81% agree. Yeah. That's, that's, that's dumb. And I, I also don't think, 
I just whatever. I think that's not cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not cool. Badgering people to have kids. Toxic. Toxic. Yes. And this, I can barely pay for myself. I'm not gonna pay. There was a um like a one of those uh, newspapers. There was like an article about um more and more people are not having or choosing not to have children. And one of that's the me. that's my generation. We are we got some other stuff that we need to fix before we bring life. Right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> and one of the one of the reasons is uh, climate climate change. And uh, yeah. And again, like going back to like when you were in school, like in the, the just the four year block that you were in college, so much shit went down that like, yeah, like it's, it's I went to school wanting to be a PTSD. Yeah, like it's so weird the way that my views have. Ch- I do. I I'm very like maternal and I love kids. I'd love to have kids one day. I don't know how honestly speaking, which is so crazy, how likely that is for me to happen in this country and then also society and then in this on this planet. So it's it's a weird, weird, weird reality to be living in. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's very it's very scary. There's just like a lot of stuff going on and a lot of stuff that keeps going on. And uh, um, like it was funny because I was talking to my cousin today and I was thinking about like just all this, all the shit that's happening and like with Biden and, you know, um, there are all these like Trump articles um, and because uh, I work in social media. And so like, you know, the idea of like Trump coming back and I'm just like, who who could, because he's, he and he's actually, there are some polls out there where he's actually leading Biden. Um, so it's just like, you know, who could, who could uh, like, you know, if Biden runs again, like, should Biden run again? I don't know. And it's like, I, I'm scared. I'm really scared. Yeah. To the point where I'm looking outside of the states because it's like we every time this country tries to go forward in a way, we we just don't. And there's a very legitimate reason why um, we're you know prevented that process. But um, yeah, even uh, the child credit, like. Um, child tax credit that's one of the reasons why joe manchin um killed the bill the build back better bill was because it's his thought that some of the parents would use the money for drugs and it's like what you're not my daddy what yeah (laughs) that that was one of the reasons and so um he possibly would return to talk about the build back better he he'd possibly return to negotiations if they um if they either get rid of that child tax credit or somehow like decrease it or something something really off it's just like you're not my daddy right, um i'm not. i work i work um you know I have a program for for people who who need um support like that and, and if it just goes it's just it goes to drugs maybe yeah to help people who are addicted to drugs like there is literally there there's a there's an answer to all of this stuff and it's okay i'm getting i don't want to like i i I know but yeah it's just like what like you're 
excuse me <laughs> like so so yeah it's just That's uh reaction it's hard it's hard country. to feel hopeful it's hard to feel hopeful and it's hard to and you know a part of procreating is there's a, a feeling of hope so it's like if you don't have yeah. that hopeful feeling exactly. then I, I don't know I can't yeah, you know can I make babies like that I don't know it's a little heartbreaking yeah I, I, I do not know the answer. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> when a workplace says we're all just one big family. Toxic. Toxic. No. Toxic as fuck. 53% people agree. Almost done. Repeatedly professing your love for someone after they tell you they aren't interested. That's, that's just sad. That's harassment. And you should stop, please. So toxic, toxic, one hundred percent, and go to jail. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I mean, yeah, especially yeah, especially these like crazy boyfriends. Um, there's always um like a woman missing, and it's because of some exactly. man, and yeah. Exactly. Uh so ninety three percent. This is like this is so serious. This is like these questions have me like <laughs> thinking about like my future, having like an existential crisis. Yeah, yeah, it just like keeps going. This is like this is like question one hundred. Supporting someone no matter what choices they make. Hmm. Oh well, if you kill someone, if you kill my cat, I'm not going to support that. Yeah, no. So that's a trick question. That is toxic because, you know, if they're hurting themselves, you don't, you want to let them know. Like if you care about someone, you'll tell them the truth, whether it's in support of what they're doing anyway. So that is, that's toxic and potentially dangerous. Yeah. It goes back to like when, when parents would be like, oh, if, if so-and-so jumped off the Brooklyn bridge, would you? So yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, no, I wouldn't do it. And I would totally tell my friend not to jump off the Brooklyn Bridge. So so yeah, 43% say that's toxic and 39% say non-toxic because yeah, it's kind of a trick question. But um, the martyr mom idea that you have to sacrifice 100% of your life for your kids, that's toxic. That's toxic, yeah. 90%. 80% says yes. Um, family vlogging. So I guess like the- so Why like would the, that be toxic? <laughs> <laughs> what a jump from like a modern mom to family vlogging family vlogging I guess it's like yeah I mean it's almost like the D- Demelios or like um I know my sister my sister has a as a vlog um it, I don't know it can it can be it can, right I agree with you. it can be toxic but if it's like a family hobby and everyone has you know, good hearts. And it's just something out of fun. I guess if it's not capitalized on, then maybe it's not as, as toxic as it would be if it was capitalized on. Right. So, so, so we're going to say not toxic, not toxic. I'm going to be, you know, optimistic and hope that that's just a fun hobby. They get like Seven- 10 views on YouTube. They do it anyway. 17% say uh, not toxic. Well, what about okay? All those a- fake animal rescue videos on YouTube. In the arms of- <laughs> Sarah McLaughlin wafting in the background. <laughs> toxic, not toxic. No opinion. Uh, I would hope those organizations are putting the money in the right places, but something tells me they're not. Some say toxic. <laughs> yeah, totally toxic. If there's so many commercials, like why, like why is this still happening? So, <laughs> this is the last question, I believe. Okay. And influencers 
promoting their amazing, healthy lifestyles. But in reality, they're mostly staged and photoshopped. Of course, toxic. Very much so. 97%, of course, of great. If you got a BBL, yeah. just say you got a BBL and recommend a good surgeon. So we're not having these girls go out there and go to these hotel surgeons. Like, just be honest. What's okay? a BBL? A Brazilian butt lift. Ooh. When you take the fat from other parts of your body and put it in your booty. Did you see, did you see Sunset, the Selling Sunset, the latest season? Oh, no, I haven't. There's a woman that has... Like she does, there's like one or two like side profiles. I'm like, Tampa? that woman has a BBL. Um, I have not watched Tampa yet. That's supposed to be like um pretty good. I have not watched it, but I watched the the latest selling sunset and the woman, I can't remember her name, maybe like Angela or something. She has like she she has a definite BBL. And just say that. Yeah. Like if you want to be go for it, okay. Like, girl, it's not gonna hurt me. It's not hurting you. Hopefully, sometimes they're dangerous. That, yeah, because that, that wasn't just from squats. <laughs> and that's what's so annoying. You have like these, you know, like these green teas or these skinny teas or whatever. And it's just like, oh, like uh, Chloe, like what Chloe was shilling for so long. Yeah. You really had surgery. Like, you had a surgical procedure. Like, stop telling me to do 100 squats a day. My legs are tired. This isn't what you did. I'm wasting time. I could be doing whatever. Like, just, Recommend me the surgeon. Not yeah, I, I could I could be taking a nap right now, but like you have me stressed. You have me right, stressed thinking that I need to. Yeah. I'm gonna look like this. Yeah. Um, yes. Ugh, toxic. It's very toxic. So as you're about to move to um what's probably a very toxic city. I know, I know. That's another thing I'm nervous for. But you know what? Try this out there. So yes. 30, about 30 people, 30 friends out there already. Yes. Like, and you know what? It's not that bad. It's okay. really not that bad. Okay. I heard that sometimes people don't show up for like lunch dates and that's just like normal. Maybe this isn't. Um, yeah, I don't know. That has not happened to me, thankfully. But then again, like I kind of, I moved here at the end, like um, August of 2019 and so I so it was before the pandemic um I was supposed to um I was supposed to have a skating date with um April Rock and I hope to have her on the show soon oh yeah so cool super nice I'm actually I think I'm gonna meet with her tomorrow um but for me like I um I drove out um on Slauson and there's this one pocket where it's like, it's right before West street. So there was this massive pothole and I just like my, my tire went down. Like I, I was trying to speed past somebody. Um, and I just totally busted my tire. And so like right before I was supposed to meet her. So I was just like, I'm so sorry. So, so that, so I, I'm, I guess I'm one of them, but like, that was oh, totally no, that's totally different. That's that was like, totally an accident, but I did feel, I did feel really bad about it, but we're, we're going to have a part two tomorrow. Oh, I'm so excited. Tell her, say hi. Yes. Yeah. I will. Diaries one time. <laughs> oh, nice. Great movie. Great movie. Classic. About how it's like one of the best movies ever created. So, That's and I what, cry at the end of that movie every time. I just, I'm so happy for me at Thermopolis. Yes. I, the best. 
<laughs> what is she doing now? I wonder. She's, she's a queen. She's a whole queen. Sis. <laughs> like she got Chris Pine on her arm. What <laughs> a good life. Oh, Mia. I'm just so happy for her. <laughs> oh, God bless her. Um, yeah, in that in that universe, like wherever she is, um, I don't know. Help us. Run, run for president. We need her. Oh. Yes. Yeah. All right. So what is making you happy these days, Liz? Um, what's making me happy is I, you can't see because it's a podcast, but I just shaved all my head. All I was going to compliment you. And then uh, you, you. you colored your hair purple. It's purple. very, yeah, it's beautiful. I love Thank it. You. It's fierce too. Buzz cut. My mom has yet to see me and scorn me for it. I'm ready um because you know I look like a boy <laughs> quote unquote no <laughs> you know what and I'm when I was your age I did the yeah. same thing <laughs> so <laughs> yeah but I that's just been making me really I got a shape up today I'm nice really I got my eyebrow and like I just my hair I had too much hair I've always been told like I have too much hair it's like past my shoulders it was a lot and I just shaved it all off and now it's purple and I feel very cold <laughs> but happy. <laughs> yeah, it looks beautiful. You're Thank free. You. Um, it'll grow back. Uh, and yeah, yeah. It, that's actually what happened to me the first time I cut. I, I've done natural a few times. I mean, I made my hair still. Um, I just okay. I grow it out. I don't I don't straighten it anymore. But like um, the first time I went natural it was just like all my hair was falling out. And then yeah. I just had to just shave it off. Yeah. Um, and then I, I was like, oh, this is nice. And I actually like have embraced, um, you know, my natural hair since then. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. going back to the immigrant experience, we could talk for forever about that. But right. like, yeah, it was very much like straighten your hair. Here, exactly. you're twelve. You're twelve now. Here's the perm. Right. Your hair. Just for me, just for me, box like once every couple of weeks. And my hair did not look good permed. It was flatty, flat, flat, flat. It looked. <laughs> And I got to the point where I told my mom, you're not doing my hair anymore. I will do my own hair at like 14. And it was also horrible. And <laughs> but you it was your own exploration. It was like my you, own exploration. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then when I was like uh, 16, I cut my hair really, really short and I started putting it in braids. Mm-hmm. And then in college, I transitioned more so to natural hair. And I've been taking care of it and cutting it and trimming it and whatever since then. So. Nice. And again, the, you know, insecure universe, um, yes, she had amazing Lisa. natural hairstyles. Natural hair every, especially this past season of insecure. I think it was like episode nine or eight, not the finale, but she was, when they were doing those flash forwards, she was rocking a different hair. Yes. Every single scene. Loved I it. Like, Work. It looks so good. I was so happy. I just yeah. loved it. Love, yeah, love her hair throughout. Yvonne Orji, um, also is rocking a natural currently. Um, yeah, just amazing. Um, I'm I'm so happy for you, and can't wait to meet you in person. I'm so excited to come out there. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So we'll see you next week. I'm Yummy Coco. Keep your lamplight trimmed and burning. Bye. (laughs) 